loving you live your life in vanity You traded all your hopes and dreams for insanity you're listening to Red Sea Catholic Radio. We're continuing our series today with Renee Brown, Director of Counseling Services of Catholic Charities of Central Texas. With us is Deacon Ronnie Lastavica, our Pastoral Care Coordinator for the Restorative Justice Ministry in the Diocese of Austin, particular to the Gatesville region. Uh, my name is Father Harry Dean, a priest of the Diocese of Austin, also engaged in the Restorative Justice Ministry. Now, Deacon Ronnie, what's our first question for this session? Renee, what are some of the signs of unhealthy boundaries? So there, there's a lot of different of signs uh, regarding boundary, unhealthy boundaries. I was actually, I was looking on here because I wanted to tell you where I, I got some of this information, but I'll find it later and be able to tell you all. Um, so when you're thinking about um, unhealthy boundaries, um, a person who's telling everything, if you're telling all your information, if you're talking to somebody on a very intimate level after first meeting them, um, that can mean that you're have some unhealthy boundaries. Um, if you fall in love with a new acquaintance, like you met this person day one and you're already in love with them, there could be some um, issues with boundaries. Um, being over um, or preoccupied with a person. Um, I don't want to say obsessive, but, you know, you fell in love with them first day. You're preoccupied thinking about them all the time. Um, that could be a sign. Um or going against your personal values, you know, your personal beliefs to please other people. Um, that can be a sign that you have unhealthy boundaries or you may not even have any boundaries at that point. Excuse me. Um, not noticing when somebody else displays inappropriate, inappropriate value, uh, boundaries. So if you're with somebody... And they don't have good boundaries, but you're not really recognizing it or picking up on it, then you may not be aware of what boundaries are or, you know, even have any of your own. Um, or understanding, like, sometimes um, if you accept gifts or if you allow somebody to touch you in a way that you're not comfortable or in a way that you don't want, that would also mean that you may have some unhealthy boundaries as well when you allow people just to kind of give you things or do things to you. Um, if you touch a person without asking them, that can mean that your boundaries are a little sketchy. Um, taking as much as you can just for the sake of getting stuff, you know, so I'm going to take and take and take just so I can have something to take. And then um, allowing somebody to take from you. Um, if I allow my children just to take and take and take from me, whether it's emotionally, mentally, or whatever, then that can mean I have some unhealthy boundaries. Allowing um, or letting other people direct your life. If I allow others to direct my life, then, then that's usually an indicator of a lack of boundaries on my part. Um, so just that's something really, I think, helpful to keep in hand because I think a lot of people 
allow family to di- direct their life or their friends to direct their life. Um, you know, I'm thinking right now, if you're incarcerated and you're letting your cellmate direct your thinking or direct your life, or then you may be involved in some behaviors or some thinking that you don't want to be involved in, but you're letting somebody else direct your life because of your lack of boundaries. Um, letting others describe your reality. Um, I've, I find that one such an, in, that's an interesting statement because I think that happens a lot is that I know my reality. I know my truth, but yet sometimes we'll have people that want to tell us what our truth is or what our reality is. I think that that's something that happens in, in families a lot. Um, I have a sister who loves to create this different reality than what my other sister and I remember, right? And so she wants to put this stuff out there. Well, I have a boundary that I don't tolerate that. You know, you can look at things the way you want, but that's not my reality. It's not my truth. Um, And that one's also hard because mentally and emotionally, it's so hurtful as well. When somebody else is trying to dictate what your truth is, what your reality is, it's it's a very hurtful thing. And it's, it can be very undermining as well. And that's where manipulation can come in, too. Um, and then letting others define you. I think that one's important, too. Nobody gets to define me except me and God. That's who defines who Renee is. I'm defined by how God has created me for this world, the the beliefs of, of that I have for myself. I'm not going to let Father Harry define me. I don't let my mother define me. I define me. And I think often um, for when I've worked with clients who have been involved in drug the drug life, there is a lot of other people that direct your life and a lot of people who who give you your truth and define you. And so you want to be really wary of that, especially if you believe all that, right? That means that you have poor boundaries. Um, Believing others can anticipate your needs. Nobody can anticipate our needs. We have to tell people what we need. This happens a lot uh, in couples. You know, men should just know everything that women want, right? I mean, come on. Um, We can't anticipate these things. And then um, if you have a tendency to fall apart so that somebody else will take care of you, that can mean a lack of boundaries. Um, Food food abuse, self-abuse, sexual and physical abuse, those all, there's no boundaries within those things either. I told the story in our last session of a friend of mine that uh, whenever he noticed I was ignoring his boundary uh, visiting in his home, he had made it clear through a comment or two that it was time to wrap up and I needed to go and I didn't uh, pick up on it. Um, He would just stare at me and raise his arm and point at the door with one finger pointed. Uh, So he definitely would let me know when uh, I was ignoring his his boundary. Um, How how do we identify when a friend or family is ignoring our boundaries? You know, it's really about assessment. It's assessing, um, you know, if somebody is violating a boundary, uh, it's going to be very evident, one, and so um, looking at your boundary and then um, assessing the boundary, does it make sense, you know, to you? 
Um, are you actually enforcing it? Because there's going to be those people who want to fight against your boundary. Um, and so really it's about assessing did I let this person violate it before? Because if they violated it once before, then they feel like they can violate it again, right? Um, so if I had let Andrew back into the house, right, after I told him he couldn't come back, he couldn't live there, if I let him live there again, then he's going to come back again and think he can do that again, right? Because I let him get away with it once. So when you're trying to identify, you're really wanting to assess your behaviors, Look at your behaviors with this particular person, with that particular boundary, because you may not have always enforced it, enforced it. Consistency is key. Like we talked about in our first session, you know, you have to stick to your guns. You have to keep working at it. And it's all about consistency. And if you're if you're with a family friend or a family member or a friend And you're also noticing that you feel disrespected or maybe you're feeling unloved, you know, in some way, then go back and look at your boundaries as well. Right. I mean, we don't want to sit too long in feeling, but certainly that can be an indicator, too, that maybe a boundary hasn't been presented in the right way. Maybe you have. And usually it's enforcement. You just didn't enforce it enough. Um with that person. And there, we talked a little bit about um, in the last session about, you know, you don't have to be argumentative. You don't have to be emotionally dysregulated to present a boundary. But sometimes with some people, you are going to have to be assertive in your presentation. Um, when I worked in an alternative school, I couldn't always be, you know, like gentle and laid back. Sometimes, you know, I had to be more assertive in the way that I spoke or the way that I looked, I have a really great teacher look. I'll have to show y'all sometime. Um, and then people knew like, okay, this is serious, right? Um, so just assessing, just sitting back, look at what happened, look at the boundary you created, um, look at how you presented it. And then did you enforce it every single time? Because you are going to have some people who will push and push and push a boundary. They're going to push it every time. And every time you have to step up and consistently um, enforce the boundary. In the last session, you spoke towards the end of that session about the uh, consequences of boundary mm-hmm. violations. Um, how do you set consequences as part of maintaining boundaries? So um, I'm going to pull up one thing in a minute because I love this particular worksheet that I have. But it's really when you're thinking about it, um, you want to set consequences that are clear and you want to be unemotional when you do that. Um, like when I gave my son the, uh, you know, the boundary that you're not coming. I mean, inside, I wanted to just cry, you know, but I couldn't allow him to see that part because then he can play. He can manipulate me when he sees me that way. So you want to try to be unemotional and you want to try to be clear. Um, and and when you're going to talk about your consequences, what actions are you willing to take? That's the way that you think about a consequence. What actual action are you willing to take? So um, for me, if if somebody showed up at my house and they had weed with them or, you know, whatever, 
I'm not letting them into my house. And that's the action I'm willing to take. And that's the action that they already know. Um, I have a, a, a really good friend. She has a tendency to drink too much. And then she's she's drunk. And I don't have the mental capability to deal with that anymore. Or I just don't want to. I don't know. But so she knows, like, if she comes over, you know, you're not rolling in with the ice chest. You're not bringing a 12-pack to my house. That's not going to happen because I'm not dealing with all the after effects of that. And if she showed up with a beer in her hand or, you know, a bottle of wine with dinner, I have no problem saying, you know what, we're not going to be having dinner here today. So um, we'll get together another time. So it's knowing what is the action, what's going to be your action. And um, it may take a while to, you know, to to facilitate change with somebody. I mean, it would be heartbreaking to have to tell her, like, you're not coming into my home. She understands my boundaries. We've been friends a long time. And so she's never once worked against it. But, um, you know, just kind of allowing that person some time to change and get with the program, but not too much. And um, knowing that sometimes, once again, you could negotiate, but you wouldn't, in this case, you would not want to. So I'm going to pull up this um, activity. Well, it's actually a handout that we have. And I love it because it talks about consequences in a little deeper manner. And um, I want to pull it up because it talks about um, examples of, I want to give these examples of stating clear consequences because I can give you guidelines like they need to be clear. They need to be unemotional. What actions are you willing to take? Um, Could you allow for gradual change? But here's some examples of stating clear consequences. And so um, if you break plans with me by not showing up or calling me, I will call you on your behaviors and let you know how I feel. So even a consequence can be sharing your feelings because a lot of people are afraid of feelings and they don't want to share feelings. So that's there's an example. If you continue whatever the offensive behavior is, like if it was um, cussing, if you're if you don't like that, if you continue cussing, um, I will leave the room, leave the house. I'm going to leave the situation. So another consequence, I'm going to leave this situation. Now, depending upon the person and how often this happens would really is how you would uh, base choosing the consequence. If you've left the room before, then now maybe you have to leave that. Maybe it's going to grow into, I'm going to have to leave the house or I'm going to have to leave this friendship or our friendship is going to have to be on a time out, you know, until you can become more respected, uh, respectful. So um, even knowing that the consequence may have to change over time and actually become more harsh if somebody's not, you know, respecting your boundary. Um, If you continue to repeat whatever the behavior is, I will consider all of my options, including leaving the relationship. So, you know, if you've given, you know, a boundary with the consequence and you've given a boundary, at some point you may have to assess is this relationship, is it good for you? Is it positive? Because if this person is willing to 
continue violating your boundaries, for me, that says a lot about how they really feel about you. It, it, it demonstrates their respect for you. It demonstrates their love for you. It demonstrates their care for you. Um, and if they continue to violate a boundary, none of those things are present. There is no love for you. There is no respect for you. And so you may have to make a choice to actually eliminate that relationship. And that sounds challenging. And that could even happen with a parent. I mean, we have um, a lot of people who come in for counseling and it's toxic parents. And so sometimes these boundaries are actually with a toxic parent where you may have to, you know, draw a line in the sand and we're going to take a hiatus, so to speak, from this relationship, mom, and let me reevaluate it. Sometimes our most toxic relationships are with parents. Um, And so here's another example. If you continue to ignore the solutions or suggestions that I'm giving you, I'm going to assume that you're not interested in uh, um, receiving help from me. And so I'm going to stop working on your case. Um, This could be, I mean, this is kind of an example of something that could happen at work. It could happen in counseling itself. Um, And so just another way of of stating some consequences. And then what it says in here is if you're not ready to end a relationship or a conversation, um, don't say you are until you really are like, you don't want to give like this ultimatum and then you didn't really mean it. Right. Because then it's going to make that consistency with boundaries or the enforcement or the establishment. It's not going to look real, so to speak to the other person, to the other person. It says, if people are unwilling to respect your boundaries, they are not true friends or people that you want to spend time with. Setting personal boundaries and limits can be very important in how you lead your life and for the quality of the relationships that you have, boundaries are crucial. But you cannot have a relationship with somebody who is going to continue violating your boundaries. You're listening to Red Sea Catholic Radio. We're here today with Renee Brown, Director of Counseling Services for Catholic Charities of Central Texas, and Deacon Ronnie Lastavica, our Pastoral Care Coordinator for the Restorative Justice Ministry in the Diocese of Austin, Gatesville Region. Myself, Father Harry Dean, also in service to Restorative Justice Ministry. Um, Renee, what are some of the beliefs or thinking patterns that a person may possess that allow for others to violate their boundaries? Um, You know, sometimes when we have uh, our own mental health issues, so to speak, it makes it really challenging to have boundaries with people. And so some of the things to consider, um, some of the thinking patterns that can just, you know, damage you um, in creating and enforcing boundaries is one of them is over enmeshment. And so enmeshment means I'm so enmeshed with another person. And this happens a lot, like with parents and children sometimes. I'm so enmeshed with this other person. I don't know where I end and they begin. So when I've talked to you before about my son, this was an issue that we had. We were very enmeshed. Um, We almost died in childbirth. And I didn't go get some good mental health help after that. And so it just seemed like he and I were very enmeshed to the point where I would say we and us when referring 
to him a lot. It wasn't my son. It wasn't Drew. It was like, we're doing this or this is affecting us as if we were one. So when you're enmeshed with another person in that way, it's you can't really develop a boundary with them because you can't see where you end and they begin. And that's critical to boundaries. That's the whole idea is I can see where I end and this other person begins. Um, and this happens a lot. Like I said, uh, enmeshment happens a lot in families. Um, and one of the things I love in this piece is talks about no one is allowed to deviate from the family or the family norms. And that means you're enmeshed. If I can't be my own self within a family and we all have to be, believe the same thing, we all have the same norms and nobody can deviate, you're probably enmeshed. Um, for example, if you're not allowed within your family to have some autonomy and maybe have some unique qualities, um, if you deviate from any way, you may be rejected. So if the expectation is we all believe the same thing, nobody's unique because we're all the same, everything, we are dependent upon each other, there could be enmeshment. Um, also, disassociation. So sometimes um, this symptom, it involves like blanking out during stressful or emotional events. So a lot of times people who've experienced trauma like childhood sexual abuse or if they've been you know, raped or had very traumatic events, they they will disassociate. So when they become stressed out, their their mind can actually be in another place. So, for example, I've had clients describe it to me as um, floating. So if they were sexually abused as children repeatedly, they learn to disassociate and not be there in their brain. They're not there when it's happening. And some people describe it like as a floating. You're not kind of in the reality. You learn to blank out so that you're not paying attention to things. So um, sometimes if people um, are challenged with disassociation, it makes it really challenging to have boundaries. Um and it says you could feel like your physical and emotional space is being violated. And you'll even tell yourself something like, but you tell your stuff, yourself stuff like it doesn't matter. Um, I don't want to put up a fight. I don't want to mess with this. You kind of disassociate from the problem so you don't have to create a boundary. Um, excessive detachment. So people who are very detached from others um, may not be able to establish boundaries either. Um, and, and so where we talked about the enmeshed family a minute ago, there, it's just this crucial, they're all bonded together. There's no autonomy in this family. It's excessive detachment. Everybody, you're in a family, but everybody just does their own thing. They're doing whatever they want. And so, um, it says within like this, you may, um, lack like a common purpose or goal or identity in your family. There's no goals as a family. You don't really have an identity in your family. There's not a common purpose in this family. Um, so there's even a lack of desire maybe for members to become close and form a union as a family. So that person who's excessively detached from others, it could be really challenging to develop and maintain boundaries. Um, a person that is um, 
maybe um, they martyr themselves or they've uh, been a victim, um, often they will often to uh, let me see how to say this. They identify as a victim. That's their identity, right? I'm a victim of this and that's all I am. Or maybe I'm martyring myself. So for those people, <clears throat> boundaries um, may not make sense to them. They may not ha- know how to create them because their identity is is being a victim. So they may not want to create boundaries. Um, or that person that's walking around with a chip on their shoulder, you know, um, you can kind of see that with their interactions with other people. Um, they may be angry about a past violation, um, and they're typically um, kind of emotional. Um, they may seem kind of agitated or they kind of ignore stuff. That can make it challenging to develop boundaries as well. Um, or if you feel like you're invisible, you know, for those persons who um, feel like they're invisible, like they don't really have any control, um, nobody's really noticing them anyway, it, it may not even make sense to have boundaries. Um, people who are aloof or shy, they may not um, understand how to present a boundary. That shyness can get in the way of like enforcing a boundary or creating them. Um People sometimes who are cold and distant, Um, people who are cold and distant often put up walls or barriers, right? And we've already talked about that. Boundaries are not about walls. They're not about this barrier. It's like a fence. And so if I put up a wall with you, well, there is no boundary because you've got a wall there. You're not interested in an intimate relationship with me or anybody else. And then you have those people who um, are disrespectful and they and they lack privacy. It could be respect for your privacy, or their, or they don't even respect their own privacy. Um, it's really hard to have boundaries sometimes with people who don't respect privacy, um, and especially like in a family. If you think about like your families, um, you always hear about the moms who go through everything. You know, they read all their kids' notes. They're going through their kids' stuff. The child doesn't have any kind of privacy, right? And so, once again, if you are a violator of privacy, then you may have some issues with creating um, boundaries with others. And then those moms are, are, are people in general that are smothering. You know, they just smother people and they're always intrusive in what you're doing. Um, They want to hold on tightly where you feel like you can't even breathe. Um, That can be challenging as well for boundaries for those folks. So, Renee, how does one assess themselves to determine if they have difficulty using boundaries? You know, the first thing they can do is identify the symptoms of your boundaries. Um, You know, if they're being violated or they're being ignored, look at your boundary. You're looking kind of for some of those symptoms of the boundary that that somebody feels like they can violate. And then um, the second thing is identify the irrational or unhealthy thinking and beliefs. Why are you letting this person violate or ignore your boundary, right? So what's going on with your thinking um, or your beliefs? There's something going on. If you allow a person to violate your boundaries, 
then there's something going on with your thinking. Is it fear of rejection? Is it fear that this person won't love me anymore? I'm going to be abandoned. They won't like me. They won't be my friend. So you really want to look at why. What is? What am I doing? Why do I let this person get away with this? And then maybe what <clears throat> a third one is to, you know, look at some healthy thinking. Look at your healthy beliefs, right? Look at that. And then maybe you're going to... Um, Change your behaviors so that you can build healthy boundaries between you and others. And so identifying new, more rational, healthy thinking so that you can change your boundaries and have healthy boundaries with other people. And then um, identify new behaviors. We said that. Sustain healthy boundaries and implement those boundaries um, and beliefs as needed. We're about out of time, so we thank you, Renee, for being with us today, Deacon Ronnie as well. You've been listening to Red Sea Catholic Radio. In our next session, we'll start out with how does a person know what their boundaries are. We thank everyone for listening, and we pray that you are blessed and safe on this day. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Brother, if you walk with me,